but then we get into the shit I really just cannot be bothered. I I don't want to do this anymore. Uh, Defenders number 70 has a cover by Herb Trimpey, Joe Ru... What? There, uh, one interesting thing I just noticed, uh, letters page has a letter from uh, uh, Kurt Busiek. Oh. So... Well, yeah, and this is this is one of those things that, you know, Kurt Busiek has talked about. This is what got him sort of into the industry, is that he made himself known to the people who run the who run things, and you know, he he was involved in the fan scene. But like he was writing in all the time to talk about to talk to them about, you know, what was going on and blah blah blah. And so when he then was trying to break into the industry, they knew his name. Yeah. Um, so there are there are a lot of comics from this era that do have letters <laughs> from Ber- from Kurt Busiek and a number of other. Um, yeah, I mean, we've seen letters Ralph from, Macchio, I yeah, think, does the same thing. That's what I was about to um, say. You know, uh, because, yeah, it it is one of those things. A lot of times it is about getting your name in front of people, regardless of how. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. Yeah. Um, which anyway. we'll have more to we'll have more to talk about Kurt Busiek uh, in a few. Yeah. Uh, Defenders number seventy has a cover by Herb Trimpey, Joe Rubinstein, and George Russo's, written by Ed Hannigan, inked by Mike Esposito, colored by Bob Sharon, lettered by John Costanza and Rick Parker. Nighthawk is in trouble with the law, um, and Strange and Banner. Uh, decide to go on a dangerous secret mission uh valkyrie and hellcat um go to a dance at esu uh and then wind up calling in nighthawk for backup uh and the three of them battle three separate lunatics and defeat them and capture them at which point harrison professor harrison turk admits to being lunatic also um yeah this this it, whole thing just annoys me this goes <laughs> like, on for some time um yeah. because okay actually let's just skip to the next one because it's slightly more interesting so Defenders number 71 has a cover by Herb Trimpey, Jack Abel, and George Russos, and is inked by Jack Abel, colored by Ben Sean, lettered by John Costanza, and edited by Al Milgram. Harrison Turk explains that he and the other lunatics are aspects of Arisen Turk, the attempted ruler of El- Other Realm who'd been deposed by Star God. Now, if you don't know who Star God is, um John Jameson, while he was on the moon, encountered a gem. The gem fused with him and turned him into Man-Wolf. 
the the thing about it is as we find out in it was issues of marvel premiere i believe the the man wolf is a transitional form as it were because the power of star god was cut off cut off somewhat uh so john jameson in becoming man wolf took on the appearance of star god but not the wisdom and intelligence of star god so once he goes to other realm and all of this stuff he becomes the full-blown star god and is able to work with the people of other realm to depose uh arisen turk uh turk's version of events is you know one-sided um <laughs> but uh yeah so the defenders take the lunatics to clea uh and she teleports them to tunnel world looking for more pieces of arisen turk once there they're reunited with strange and hulk during an attack by the nilfram who are themselves pieces of arisen turk and Harrison and the lunatics abduct Hellcat with Valkyrie in pursuit. Here, here is the thing. In theory, there are things about this that I like. I like the idea of... Um, these various people, all of whom are splintered aspects of this one person. Having said that, Lunatic sucks. <laughs> Arisen Turk sucks. Everything else about this sucks. So, I, I mean... I guess I gave my I gave the game away as far as my opinion of this, but I you know I just in a different context I might really like what's being done here if everything about it changed. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I uh, like I said this this to me it felt very very this goes on for some time and i'm like okay let's fucking go to the part where there's a betrayal of some kind and we'll just let's just do that because throughout the story all the lunatics and turks are being toted around bound and uh, not really arguing too much about it. And I'm like, okay, so they're trying to get to the same place where everybody else is trying to go. Da-da-da-da-da. So they can get put back together. And uh, then he'll turn around and try and take on the big bad. And, bleh. and it's like, okay, let's just do that. Get there. <laughs> yeah. And, like, your, your world that we're inhabiting here isn't weird enough for me to give a shit to so like that's the other thing like it's very it's uh lord of the rings inside 
a tube. And well, here here's the fundamental problem. I think I think that Tunnel World in this feels like if if Discworld had been really yada yada by Terry Pratchett. Yeah. Where, like, instead of putting all any effort into the story or the characters of this world or any of that, he was just like, so there's a place called Discworld, yada, yada, yada. It's on the back of a turtle. Whatever. There's, there's more pork. You get, you get the idea. Anyway. <laughs> and that's how this comes across. Like, Tunnel World could be perfectly interesting. Yeah. But it's not. Because, because like I don't know anything about it. Like they yeah. even you know, it's very um oh, it's not a Dyson sphere, but the conical ver not conical, uh cylindrical version of this of a mega structure where, you know, the gravity is produced by the spin and um as you would approach the center of of the interior of it, you know, gravity would cease. Uh, they even it's similar to the space colonies in like Gundam. Yeah. Um, um, and they even do that and like talk about how the gravity becomes weak, weird, weird at the center. Yeah. Because we don't understand how any of that. And I'm like, okay, neat. Why? Right. Because if this yeah. is not spinning, right. Also, how does night and day work? Um, because, so I'm I'm listening to a series of books called The Babaverse. Okay, it sounds really dumb, but uh, the central conceit is that we we future humanity figured out how to upload someone's consciousness into a construct. We use that to uh, visit the stars. The construct starts replicating himself, um, and the the replicants all have different personalities blah 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 fast forward <laughs> through all of that is they find one of these sort of mega structures um that is actually a toroid and they try to figure out that even there in this book they do it he the writer does a has struggles with like figuring out how night and day would work inside mm -hmm. something like that um mm -hmm. so in the expanse they just dumped because they have one of those same sort of things rotating tubes and uh it's always day because the light strip that goes through the center of the place is just the sun all the time which is what you would do because you would need to use that to create food constantly right. um so Blah, 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 blah. I just, uh, I think about, every once in a while I sit around and think about megastructures like this, and I think they're neat, uh, but uh, they are difficult to comprehend. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I I think that, like I said, if, if the fundamental problem with Tunnel World is twofold. Number one, not enough attention is paid to the world building for me to give a shit number two the only we only see tunnel world under the influence of this unnamed enemy 
Mm-hmm. We have no idea of the stakes. We have no idea what things are like the rest of the time. Mm-hmm. So why the fuck should I care? Yeah. Like, you know, when 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 you when things are set in the quote unquote real world, which is to say normal 616 continuity, I have a baseline. Uh-huh. I have an idea of what life is like and as such when that changes I'm like oh fuck. Mhm. Um here I don't have that. I don't know what this world looks like when it's not under the influence of this unnameable enemy. And so all of this is just a big question mark for me. And we're hinted at like something when they run into the gnomes and they're like, oh, we're refugees because of the unnamed one. And it's like, refugees how? What are they doing? Who are they? Like, none of it's solid. And right. I'm like, okay. I, I, and at that point is when I go, I could be frustrated with this and bitch and moan or and like get angry at the story or i can just move on and we can get through this together brain what do you think brain goes i've turned off and i go thank (laughs) you and we go on um to get to the next issue yeah and you know to to take it back to the lord of the rings i care about what happens to the shire because i've seen what the shire looks like Mm mm-hmm the, mo- the movies and the books take the time to show you how things are so that when things go to shit, you can go, oh, that's not good. And also so um, that you understand your characters have absolutely no place leaving right. the Shire. And like right. when, when they get out into the larger world outside the Shire that you're like, yeah, they're dead. They're, yeah. they, just because they don't understand how anything works. If they hadn't run into Aragorn, or Aragorn, they would have walked directly into a trap. At least right. three times. Um, oh yeah, that's, absolutely. That's like... Because they're idiots. And they're, they are idiots because of where they grew up is so sheltered. And like idyllic. Way, and idyllic and nice. And that's why yeah. Gandalf likes it. Is because he gets to come back here and just chill with these fat hobbits who just eat and talk about cake for four hundred. Well, yeah, pages. because you know, in the in the Shire, in the Shire, the worst that happens is tomfoolery. Mm-hmm. The worst that happens is maybe someone's a bit of a dick. Yeah, but like the minute they leave the Shire. Everyone around them is ready to sell them out at a moment's notice. Yeah. And that's that's the thing, you know. So, yeah, it's just it's not great world building, but whatever. We're only here for a few issues. We just got to ride it out. Yeah. So Defenders number 72 has a cover by Herb Trimpey, Al Milgram, George Russos and Irving Watanabe and is inked by Fred Keita, colored by Elaine Heinel lettered by Michael Higgins and edited by Al Milgram and Mary Jo Duffy. Uh, the defenders managed to recapture the lunatics and make their way through Tunnel World to find Ixushi, uh, Tunnel World's Sorcerer Supreme. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spell it. It's 
X H O O H X. And my brain went, nah, I'm just not working on that one. And I was like, good yeah. enough. These become symbols. Um, <laughs> this is, it, it may as well be a ward or a rune. I'm not pronouncing <laughs> this. Um, yeah. Because uh, as a person with an X in his name, uh, y- you know, how an X is pronounced is uh, there's a lot of different ways. And I just went, nah. Nope. Yeah. This, uh, Especially my... with the H there. Like, it's the, it's the second H that's hard. Because I don't know how, what... Yeah. Yeah, it is... It is... This is supposition on my part for how to pronounce it. I, I don't... I, I don't know. Whatever. <clears throat> so they get all the way to him after fighting they... a couple of... A beholder kind of thing, and oh yeah, they stole the niffle, the nifflems. Uh, it's not nifflem. They stole their bird nilfrim. Yeah, they stole their bird mounts, and uh, then they camp for the night. But yeah, that's where they're, right. they're on their way. The that's the short version. There's a bunch of bullshit in the interim, and they sort of float in the middle for a minute and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, Defenders number seventy three. Uh, has a cover by Herb Trimpey, Don Perlin, George Russos, and Gaspar Saladino, and is inked by Mike Esposito, colored by Ben Sean, and lettered by John Costanza and Clem Robbins. Meeting with Shooks. The the Defenders are able to recombine the lunatics into a Risen Turk, who turns out to be an asshole. Shocker. Uh, and immediately tries to battle the unnameable ent- enemy behind all of this. Uh, but he fails, and the defenders are then able to incapacitate, incapacitate him. Uh returns them to Earth, and Dollar Bill and Ledge are confronted by the new fo- fool killer and his little friends. That's, I, you know... And honest to God, I went, oh, uh, I made a noise when I yeah. got to the last page because yeah. I was like, because, you know, honestly, the end of this seems when they get back to the writing academy, Strange is like, OK, that thing's still out there. I got to go figure out what I'm going to do about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got to go make plans. And everyone's like, okay, let us know. And he's like, bye. Uh, Kyle gets a call from his lawyers and accountants that are like, where the fuck have you been? We're, you're in deep shit. Get here now. And he's like, okay, okay, okay. So he calls, he's like, I'll, I'll talk to y'all later. You're welcome to stay here. I got to go do a thing. I'll talk to y'all later. Hulk is like, um... I just want to go outside. It's way too loud. All these people talk all the time. Oh my god. And he goes outside and he just has a sit. And I like that. This this is the most I relate to Hulk in a lot of ways. And this this I Hulk just need break from <laughs> all of you 
<laughs> Hulk going to go sit outside and listen to silence <laughs> is the most relatable Hulk has ever been. Where it's just like you're surrounded by people and you're just kind of like sometimes like, yeah, yeah, okay. I'm, I can't be here. Bye. Uh, <laughs> so. I'm going to go find a rock and sit on it. Yeah. And just sort of stare into the middle distance, but I would like it to be quiet while I do that. I need yeah. my, I need to let the tangles unwind in my brain. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, I get this. And like, you know, the ladies are going to listen to music. Hell yeah, Clea's sticking around at the writing academy because clearly Steven isn't paying enough attention to her and she's lonely. Um, so she's going to kick it with Hellcat and Val. They seem like they're going to be fun. Uh, I'm excited. And then, Fool Killer. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. And he's so, like a co-head. So Defenders number 74 uh, has a cover by Herb Trimpey and Al Milgram... George Russo's and Gaspar Saladino, inked by Steve Mitchell, colored by George Russo's, lettered by Irving Watanabe. So as you said, Nighthawk leaves, uh, and everybody's just kinda hanging out. Um, Dollar Bill tries to save his ass and that of Ledge by convincing the fool killers, the fool killer, to talk to the defenders and request membership. Uh, Fool Killer's friends slash hostages, Richard and Amber, come along. Um, they are delayed on their way up to the Writing Academy because the train station is hit by a rampaging Hulk who's just like, leave Hulk the fuck alone. But then like all of the all of the people at the train station are like, yeah, yeah. Fuck the trains, man. Keep, like, charging me for luggage. And, like, like if if the Hulk came and smashed Delta Airlines while I was waiting for a flight, I'd be like, fuck yeah, man. Like, that that's, you know, $75 to check a bag? Fuck you. Yeah. Um, I don't know how I'm getting home, but okay. <laughs> all right, whatever. Um... But, like, I get it. I get it. Uh, but uh, when they arrive, uh, the defenders are just like, yeah, okay, maybe we can talk about you joining or whatever. And Fool Killer's like, actually, I'm here to kill you all. Womp, womp. Uh, and I was kind of, like, throughout of this, while I was reading this, I was like, where are we going? What are we, what is the plan? And not, I mean, narratively. What is the plan here? Because if yeah. you're going to put Fool Killer in, on this non-team, I'm out. Um, and then we get here and I was like, well, okay, of course. Duh. What right. did I, I can't believe I thought something else was going to happen. Um, so, also, this Fool Killer is super weird. Um, he's dragging Richard Rory and some girl named Amber, I don't remember, from Man-Thing around and has decided that he's not going to be so zealous zealotous about uh dishing out justice 
he's going to be more refined about it and actually like i think that's the next issue that he talks about that but like now we're here to uh kill fools based on aesthetic pleasing it's like which all right man you're can we stop with the artistic killer thing like that trope is so boring (laughs) and so i just hate it so much like these these killers who are just like you know kill someone and they're like now i've made you perfect or whatever and you're just like oh my god stop stop i you know making killers crazy is bad but this whole like artiste motif that that has permeated pop culture is i i would rather see a gibbering lunatic yeah killing people than someone who's just like <coughs> my aesthetics and it's just like shut the fuck up but so defenders number 75 has a cover by herb trimpy and al milgram uh lettered by george russos and is inked by mike esposito and colored by carl gafford fool killer fights the defenders causing the writing school to catch fire fool killer is apprehended but nighthawk is just like i can't deal with this shit right now get the fuck out we're disbanding the team uh valkyrie and hellcat agree to help fool killers friends slash hostages find their missing friend and in las vegas this guy gramps identifies the body of omega the unknown when next we visit defenders we will get into omega the unknown uh because that is a whole thing in and of itself um but i uh, i'm not thrilled (laughs) Apparently, a lot of shit has been going down for Richard Rory. And uh, when that is hinted at in some of this backstory, or throughout the pages of this, where it's like, Rory actually says something to the effect of, like, uh, you know, not with my luck, we'll have as much trouble as we did with the Omega Man. And I'm like, Rory, I don't care about you. I'm sorry you you have kept your sad sack bullshit to a minimum which is nice but that's because the man next to you is the fool killer (laughs) so yeah yeah i get that you're currently being sort of hostageded but uh like let's uh let's rein it in like i don't care about the backstory of like why is rory here yeah i i don't None of that matters to me. Um, okay, let's do it, I guess. I, uh, I for one, can't wait to see Richard Rory in the MCU. Anyway, uh, Thor number 280 has a cover by Joe Sinnott and is written by Don Thompson, Maggie Thompson, and Roy Thomas, penciled by Wayne Boring, inked by Tom Palmer, colored by Carl Gafford, lettered by Joe Rosen, edited by Roy Thomas, Jim Shooter, and Mark Grunewald. A misunderstanding causes Hyperion and Thor to come to blows, but Thor agrees to accompany 
Hyperion back to Earth 712 to see about the Avengers appearing in a movie about the Squadron Supreme. Uh, the evil Hyperion follows them through the gate uh, and replaces good Hyperion, uh, which brings, which causes the Thor, Hyperion, and the Squadron Supreme to join forces to defeat the evil Hyperion and Emil Burbank, this universe's Lex Luthor. Yep. That's all I really have to say about any of this. I... Whatever. Man. Yeah. I get... really, really tired when they take pot shots at each other. And this very much feels like Marvel Marvel writing and creative team being like, aren't the isn't the DC heroes so goofy? And I'm like, yeah, no, I don't care. Like, we're all goofy here, man. <laughs> like yeah. let's and they make some something there you is You have some, Howard the Duck. Yeah. Glass houses. <laughs> and uh they make some crack about uh something being a crisis, and I was like, oh, yeah, because this this is called this issue is uh, titled "Crisis on Twin Earths." Yeah, um, which, yeah, yawn. Um, plus, like the the Squadron Supreme. Here's the problem that I have: is we've done the Squadron Supreme in a bunch of different ways. We've got the Squadron Sinister, the Squadron Supreme, the other Squadron Supreme, that Squadron Supreme, this Squadron Supreme, a Squadron Supreme made up of animals, and all of this shit. (laughs) And so when Hyperion shows up, at any given time, I have to stop and be like, okay, which Hyperion is this? Yep. And because that's that's what Thor does. Is he stands there in the alleyway and is like, "Okay, we cool." And Hyperion jumps out of his portal and like punches him. And it's he's like, "All right, it's the bad one," and starts wailing on him. And Hyperion's like, "Hey, wait a minute, why are you wailing on me?" And Thor's like, "Why are you wailing on me?" And it's like he goes and he's like, "You know, good Hyperion, you know." We've told you that we've met Bad Hyperion before. And he's like, uh-huh. So I wasn't sure who you were. And he's like, oh, you want to be in a movie? And Thor's just like, fucking no. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. and I love that. That's that's perfect. And he's like, hey, I actually came to talk to you about being in a movie. And he's like, no. But maybe the others will. I don't, they're not, we're not a monolith, I guess. So, I can't, yeah, sure. I can't speak for them. Uh, but I, for my part, no, thank you. Um, yeah. And like, that's, that's the thing that I really dislike is that, you know, as a reader, I don't know who it is and there's no way to, other than Supreme Power Hyperion, there is no way to look at Hyperion and know 
Yeah. Which version it is. Mm-hmm. Is it is it the good one? Is it the bad one? Is it one you've never met before? Who the fuck knows? It's a crapshoot. There's and so like, there's a fucking flowchart you have to go through in order to seriously. figure out. Yeah. And if yes, have we met before? No. Okay, that that one's pretty easy. You're a new you're a new Hyperion. Have we met before? Yes. Were you trying to kill me? No. Okay, that leaves my options down to six. Um, well, yeah, and if it's yes, it's were you evil or mind-controlled? Mind-controlled? Okay, so otherwise you're good. Yes. Okay, so how are things on Earth, blah, blah, blah? Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's it's frustrating, and... It's never been enough for me to care enough to try and unravel it. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Like, I... It's confusing, and I don't care enough to not be confused. Right. So, um, Thor number 281 has a cover by Keith Pollard and Tom Palmer and is written by Mark Grunewald, Ralph Macchio, Peter Gillis, and Mike Catrone. Uh... Penciled by Keith Pollard, inked by Pablo Marcos, colored by Ben Sean, lettered by Jim Novak, edited by Roy Thomas and Jim Shooter. Thor attempts to travel back in time to the first visit by the Celestials in the hopes of finding something that will forestall the grotesque reaping of humanity, but (laughs) finds himself in limbo where Mjolnir has disappeared. Uh, The Space Phantom tells him that it's probably at the core of his planet, Phantas, which is being drawn into limbo because his race, his entire race, is engaged in a never-ending war through time. The Phantom tells Thor, head to the center of the planet, that's where Mjolnir will be, but oh, wouldn't you know, the Space Phantom led him into a trap because it's the fucking Space Phantom. Uh... Thor causes Phantas to begin phasing back into real space. As this happens, Thor is trapped midway between uh, the two realms, causing him to be stuck in mid-transformation to back to Donald Blake because he's been separated from Mjolnir. So, yeah. Uh, it's very, very, very... Why would you trust the Space Phantom? Go find somebody else. It's a big (laughs) limbo, right? Like, there's obviously somebody else you could talk to other than the guy that you know has tried to be you before. uh, Successfully. Nearly killing all of your friends. No, he didn't succeed with Thor. Uh, Oh, right. He succeeded with everybody else. Yeah. Thor's dual nature repelled the space fandom in the first place. All right. Um, and um, yeah, don't go, don't go fighting the time war either. Like just leave these idiots to their own machinations. They've, they've, they've made their bed. I'm sorry. You've, you, you started an inter interplanetary time war. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I have I have stuff to say, but it's more related to the second issue. So all right, um, yeah. 
I think the part where he uh, scoops up all the time mines in his uh, in his cape and throws them back at a ship is cool. Yeah, but I'm easily impressed. I too like where Thor murders with impunity. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, um, so. Thor number 282 uh, has a cover by Pablo Marcos and John Costanza, written by Mark Grunewald and Ralph Macchio, edited by Jim Shooter, Roy Thomas, and Mark Grunewald. Uh, realizing what's happened happening to Thor, uh, the Space Phantom teleports him out. Uh, confronted by the Angry God, the Phantom admits to his lie, but he says he thinks Immortus has... Mjolnir. So they head to Immortus's castle. Uh, Thor is kind of like, oh my god, this place is wrecking my mind, blah, blah, blah. MC Escher, uh, staircases, and so forth. They are then confronted by Tempest, um, the guardian of Immortus's castle. Tempest wants to die so, so badly. <laughs> uh, but can't his whole thing is I want to die, but no one can kill me. So let's just fight it out. Please be the one to kill me. But if you're not, I guess I'll just go on suffering. Uh, they fight and eventually Thor takes Tempest's mallet and reasoning that it, because it is made of the same material as Tempest, it will work against him. And so he uses it to stove in Tempest's head. Uh, so the Lord of Limbo greets them and he's just like, yeah, here's your hammer. Uh, and um, I actually like that we're doing essentially what the end of uh, Loki was, which is him being like, wait, a Thor being like, wait a minute. I think I killed you once. And he's like, yeah, yeah, probably. And he's like, no, no, you have to explain that. And he's like, look, time's fucking crazy. Yeah, yeah, maybe maybe you killed one of me. I don't know. I got well, here anyway. And ba basically what we find out is Immortus's death uh the last time we saw him. Yeah. He faked. Because yes. they Kang died. Right. Which according to the Avengers understanding of time travel should have killed Immortus. Uh, Immortus. But Immortus here is just like, look, there are a lot of different versions of Kang. Just because you killed one of them doesn't mean I don't still happen. Yeah. Like, that's a very narrow view of cause and effect when, in fact, the, you know, it's, it's kind of the... Um, the Doctor Who explanation of time. People think that time is a straight line from cause through effect, when in fact, from a nonlinear, non-subjective viewpoint, it's a big ball of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. Yeah. And, and that's that's basically what Immortus says here. Immortus also is, is sort of arguing, man, it's a chicken and the egg thing. Like, right. I happen here, I am here. Like, that part's done, right? I end up in limbo. 
right? Where time is meaningless because we are outside of time now. Yeah. I am here. How I get here, immaterial. I don't care. Right. Um, it just matters that I get here. Or, or it doesn't, like, where the effect, which is cause and which is effect, doesn't matter well, anymore. Well, yeah, he, he's just like, my timeline is not a line. It's a tree. Yeah. You pruned a branch. It's still That's a tr- it. Yeah, there's still a tree. The tree uh, still exists, exists, and I'm still here. Uh, but so, in the in the course of things, you know, he talks about how uh, the timekeepers found him and educated him even further into the truth of what time is and uh, made him the guardian of time travel within his own timeline, meaning the thousands of years in which Kang is out there doing his shit, he now has to oversee time travel, Mm -hmm. which will come up. So bear with me. But the upshot of all of this is he's like, here you go. GTFO. And Thor's like, okay, I'm happy to do that. And the space fandom is like, wait, you said you'd help my planet. And Thor's like, fine. And so Immortus is like, I can help you transport the planet Fantas back into real space. However, doing so will rob your hammer of the ability to travel through time. Thor's like, I don't like it, but I said I'd do it. So here we go. He does it. And then Immortus is like, cool. And transports him back to Earth. Thor is like, okay, so I need to find some other way to stop the Celestials. I don't like that my Mjolnir's power has been reduced, but it is what it is now, so on and so forth. Space Phantom is is such a dick. (laughs) Because he's like, Thor's like, it is done. Thy world is whole, thanks to the miraculous Mjolnir. And Space Phantom's like, it is not within the ethics of my culture to give thanks. <laughs> it just says that and stops talking. And Thor's like, I can see why Amortis finds thee a vexation. <laughs> and yeah. I just I just love that Space Phantom's just a little shit. Yeah. We just don't do it in my culture. So yeah. if you're waiting, you can... I, l- I like to think that this is as close as you're going to get to a thank you. Yeah. Like in the, his own in his, his own way he's trying to say thank you, but yeah. that's not that's he not how that works. Yeah. Um he's explaining now, why he's not saying thank you. Now, <laughs> the reason that I mention Immortus being charged with overseeing time travel within his own lifespan is in Avengers Forever. By Kurt Busiek, we find out that this whole thing, the whole the planet Fantas slipping into limbo and Thor having to save it, but in doing so, robbing Mjolnir of the power of time travel, was all a setup by Immortus to rob Mjolnir of the ability to time travel. And by doing so take away the Avengers' primary mode of traveling through time. 
so yeah wheels within wheels <laughs> um Immortus and Kang are one of those characters that honest to god when I started reading comics which was much later than you um I was anytime Kang would show up I'd like no I knew his general deal which was like time travel pain in the ass and uh I would just be like oh god um it is interesting that as we're going through this with you know the ad addition of you know Loki as well I'm becoming more and more like okay maybe Immortus and Kang is an interesting idea that I have been uh dismissing but I Mm -hmm. you know they've got some work to do but it's clear that like there's someone could come along and I you know Busek come along and start picking up these breadcrumbs and being like where does this go what does this yeah. look like and uh that could be cool yeah so well i think i think what's interesting about immortus is the fact that kang is pretty straightforward yep kang is i show up in a different time i take over that time that is my deal i am kang mm-hmm and Immortus, you never know what Immortus is doing at any given time. Mm-hmm. Immortus might be on your side, but if he is, it's not because of the righteousness of your cause. Uh, if he's not on your side, you know, that, like, that's just how it is. Like, yeah. Immortus is doing his own thing, and that's just... You can't, when Immortus shows up and he's like, no, no, I want to help you. Don't, don't trust it. Like, I mean, don't look the gift horse in the mouth. Take the right. help. But also, it's probably not on the doing it for the same reasons you are. Right? right. Like, whatever it is you're doing, Immortus has other plans. Or needs it to happen the same way that you want it to. Or whatever. Like, that's... That's best case scenario is that Mortis is help Immortus is helping you because it ensures something that he wants to happen and then he'll fuck right. off. He's not doing it for you. Um, right. And that's that's fine. Yeah, and so everything he does, like when he shows up to officiate the wedding of Scarlet Witch and uh the vision and swordsman and mantis why what purpose does this serve you don't know yeah (laughs) so yeah um top five top five the watcher's guides top five five. we're gonna do it number five is so you want to be in a movie no i just love that interaction from thor doesn't even really give it a thought he's just like no fuck you man what um especially because it comes on the heels of them being dicks at each other uh number four is the design of a mortis castle there's a splash 
of the castle that encompasses what is either a planetoid or an entire planet and it's all yeah like you said very kaleidoscopic um in its presentation and it's really cool uh number three hulk pushes a whale into into the sea because he learns about friends it's just cute because he shows up on this beach and there's this beached whale and the whale is like clearly fucked and hulk's like what are you doing here you should be in ocean with your friends and the whale just sort of looks at him and he sees his own reflection in the whale's eye and he's like hulk has learned about friendship we'll put you in (laughs) and it's like okay man I love you, Hulk. And then he throws, he grabs the whale by the tail and drags him back into the ocean. Even though he hates the water. It's, it's really cute. Uh, number two is, uh, Loki pulling a Trojan horse anyway. I just thought that was so great from a Loki standpoint. Like, him just being like, oh, it sounds like you, uh, you had a, you had a rough day, or a rough couple of days. You know it was like months out here, right? Where, while you were fighting uh, Zeus. And Thor's like, yeah, yeah, I know. And he's like, I didn't exactly sit on my hands either. Oh, fuck, what did you do? And, yeah. And Thor being like, you asshole, let's just get out of here. Jesus. I loved that. Um, and then uh, number one is uh, the Demon in a Bottle uh, story. I'm with you. I'm a little conflicted about it being sort of as compressed as it was but overall having tony do some serious looking at the way that he is and why he is that way um is it's a good start i liked it so yeah there we go uh well for me i have an honorable mention which is uh, Tony casually murdering a guy and then rationalizing it. Um, because, like, the death of the Carnelian ambassador is something that's weighing on him. But then, like, this guard just bursts in and he electrocutes the guy. And then he's just like, I'm sure he's fine. <laughs> it's just like, no, man. No. You can't just do that check on him yeah um so number five iron man is helping um the the fact that he bursts in i i like that ostensibly tony is sober meaning this was a rational judgment call to burst in trash this guy's office and yeah um because it is, it's very much just like, I made it better? And it's like, no, no, Tony. Just go lay down. And it's just like, but I'm sober now. No, you still need a little more time. Like, <laughs> um, number four, uh, Tempest wants to die just so, so bad. <laughs> it's like, it's like, you know, Suicide Squad when they're just like we're all gonna die and Polka Dot Man is like I hope so <laughs> like that's the kind of thing where, where it's just like I'm oh. in so much pain all the time and I just want to make it stop 
Like, yeah. Big mood. Um, number three, uh, fucking Loki just casually undoing everything to, that Thor just went through. Like, he's just like, yeah, by the way, uh, Thor's, or Troy is fucked. And he's like, what did you do? Oh, I just, I convinced him to make a big horse. And, uh, what? I just, I just, I fought Zeus for months to keep gods from interfering in what was going on in Troy. And Loki's like, yeah, well, <laughs> I didn't make any such promises. So, yeah. uh, yep. And it's just like, so it's, it's, this is the good version of this Loki to me. Yeah. Like this is the fun version where he's like, yeah, I did some evil. Yep. Guys, I'm the trickster god. What did you want me to do? I wasn't just. I gonna... did what it says on the tin, right? Like, what it? What do you? What do you want? And I, you know, that that calls back to. I think it's during the, um. Thor the Red, the redheaded Thor. Is that that during mm-hmm. that story when he shows up to Odin and he's like, "I'm tired of this shit." You're all fucking mad at me all the time, and I'm only doing the thing that it says that I am. Yeah. I just do that, and you'll all fucking get pissed off, and uh, what do you want? What do you want from me? And they're like, we want yeah. you to be better. And he's like, clearly, you could have done that, but you named me, you gave me this, so I'm working with what I got. And it's yeah. like, I get you, Loki. Um, that's So that when we get things like this, where it's going back in time... Uh, from that discussion that he's just like yeah do the thing what what and thor's just like jesus christ let's just go yeah i can't take you anywhere (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh number two is jeff colt i i like that you know he's empowered he is mysteriously empowered and he does what he's supposed to do Yep. He does the thing we're told that you're supposed to do. With great power comes great responsibility. But not for you. Fuck you, Jeff. You get to live on an island. Uh, But I don't want to live on an island. I'm sorry, man. Then we have to take it away. Then take it Uh, away. Okay. Yeah. Number one is uh, Demon in a Bottle because it is... I mean... You know, like I said, it is reading the lead up to it is not something I recommend if this is your first go with Iron Man at all. Um, you know, there are other Iron Man story. Mask in the Iron Man mm-hmm. uh, is a good one to start with stuff like that. Uh, this is one I would wait until you've read at least a few, but do read it because it is, it is a very character defining arc, um, that, uh, that's worth checking out. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, join us next time. We will be reading a bunch more Thor and then we'll be picking up, uh, I don't know if you all recall, we we read 
jungle action featuring Black Panther, where we read the story with Killmonger and all of that, and then, uh, you know, the story about uh, Black Panther's girlfriend getting herself off at the death of an ancestor, uh, and all of that, and then... A storyline began that we just kind of dropped, mm-hmm. and then the next time we read Black Panther, it was Jack Kirby doing whatever that shit was. Mm-hmm. We are now going back to that. Uh, we will be picking back up with Black Panther versus the Clan. Uh, so, join us for that. In the meantime, rate and view rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts because it gets our show in front of more people. Or don't, I don't fucking care. Email us at watchersguide@gmail.com. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter, both individually and at watchersguidemu. Uh, and visit our website at watchersguide.com where you can download episodes and see all of the reading lists going back to our very first episode. Uh, have a marvelous week. Bye. Bye.